0: still Stimulate your mind. Get up, Chucky. What have we got here, fucking comedian? Who, Rojan Kim? California Dreaming. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Thanks for joining me. This is, uh, it's the Rojan Kim cast. It's, uh, January. No, sixth? No, seventh? Eighth? Something. One of those dates. It's in, we're in January. But it's the first week of January of 2018. 2018! 30 years ago, the movie Die Hard came out, popularizing the phrase, Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. That would have been so much better if I didn't step over my words, huh? If I didn't stumble. Why don't you get it together? Why don't you write some of this stuff down, God damn it. This is what happens i'm just trying to flow i'm just trying to flow right just trying to just go no huddle and uh well we're doing okay so far how are you guys doing you guys doing good i mean it's a new year are you guys uh you guys having fun how's uh, you guys feel resolutionized you guys are you resolutionary did you get some resolutions in um I kind of have a resolution thing going um i'm I'm fucking sober i'm sober, I'm so sober, I bet not that I was like drunk all the time. I mean, I just smoke weed like every day. I smoked weed every day since nineteen ninety six okay and it's twenty eighteen and it's been twenty two years and I said, Hey, maybe I'm gonna take a little, little bit of a break. I'm not quitting, <laughs> I'm not gonna quit I'm gonna take a little bit of a break um well you may or may not know, I probably have no listeners now since I haven't updated this thing in a couple of months, but went on a bit of a hiatus, I went on a bit of a hiatus because, well why, I don't know, uh, I felt like there was a lot of noise, a lot of noise in the world, and maybe I was just contributing to it, I don't know, I don't know, Stuff to say, this is something that Dan Carlin was talking about, and who, do, who the hell do I think I am, huh? Dan Carlin, where am I? Asian Dan Carlin? You think I'm a Chan Carlin? Is that what you think you are? No, I mean he said a similar thing of like you know because there's so much noise, he wants to take a. And that inspired me. You know, he said there was so much noise, he wanted to take a step back and just listen. And I decided I would do that too. Take a step back and listen. And I listened. And I got to tell you, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, uh, yeah, I took a little bit of a hiatus, um, let's see what happened, well, I went to New York, to the New York Television Festival, uh, and had a great time, good time, got in there with a script that I wrote with uh, some friends of mine, myself, my girlfriend Ramey, uh my friends Anya and Bill, we worked on this one hour dramatic pilot kind of a sci-fi series about climate change and it got into the festival and that was great so I flew over to New York went over there for a week had a great time stayed with Anya and Bill had a great time did some comedy out there you know did some stand-up missed New York stand-up I missed it I mean it's just it's different it's different and it's I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it's just it was nice to be in touch with that energy again. Not that LA is that much different or worse or anything, but you know, it's just people are different in different places. Not a shocker. I'm not breaking any news here, but uh it's true. It's true, but I got to tell you New York also fucking Oh man, that shit really like it's a grind. It's a grind. It's uh it's just you can feel it in the air, you know, and it's, it's one of the things that I love about New York, the the uh, energy, you know, the go, 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 the energy, you know, this sort of nonstop movement, you know, I love it, love it. You know, there's a, a super high caliber uh, for any kind of entertainment, right, like you can't just, I feel like in LA, you go on stage and you do some comedy, there's sort of a general feeling of like, good for you, good for you, you're up there, and and there's a lot of support You know what I mean? There's a lot of support. But that, what is this support? You don't need support when going up on stage. Who gives a fuck? I mean, it's just, it's kind of a kid gloves approach a little bit. I don't know. And I'm not talking about comics, of course. I'm talking about real people, you know, when you're in front of an audience. They're generally uh, just happy that you're up there, right? In New York... I feel like in New York you're inundated with performers all the time, subway, street, just all the time. So, and you've basically heard it all. You've heard it all from people. People who are talking all the time. People are making jokes. I mean, you're just inundated with media, advertising, marketing, just everything. So then you're like, all right, well, come hard or go home, right? Go hard or go home. Come hard or come home. No, go hard. Go hard or go home. It's just really just that look. Fucking homeless people are composing symphonies on the subway, all right? Like it, you gotta have something. It's not enough for you to just do it. It's, not, it's everybody can just do it, right? And not everybody's gonna be good. So you gotta do it and be good and then you'll get your just desserts, which I feel like, I'm mixing a lot of metaphors here and I feel like, is it cause I'm so sober? Is that what it is? Do I lack the smoothness of my natural delivery because I'm not tainted with THC like I usually am? I don't know. That's not for me to decide. I just know that New York stand-up, that was my training ground. That was my proving ground. That's where I came from. So it was nice to be home. It was nice to be home. Um, another thing I did is uh, I did DMT with my friend Caleb. I did it a couple times. Um, the first time, I didn't really... I mean, it was all... It was kind of janky the way we were doing. <laughs> we were using a two-liter bottle with foil and lighting the bottom of it and just inhaling it and like... Yeah, you know, I don't think it was uh, probably not the best method. Um, the first time I took a hit or two, and I saw some fractals. I felt a mood lift, but that was about it. Nothing, nothing, nothing more than that. The second time, though, I believe I had what people would call a breakthrough experience because I, you know, took two, three, two. I think I took three hits, and then it starts with a noise that's kind of like. Sh- this sort of intense whining or almost like a uh, feedback noise of pre and then there's this tunnel going through the tunnel and then burst through the tunnel and then there's this thing that people call the chrysanthemum which is an incredibly vibrant fractal flower-like moving kaleidoscopic thing and then I was and then I was like in a space I was like in a room it's hard to describe it's very hard to describe it's like almost um pre-linguistic or post-linguistic you know what I mean like language is almost too limiting to try to describe it or it would take me hours to describe like one second of what happened you know what I mean because at some point there was a uh, I have to say there was a presence that I felt that I call the bouncer it's kind of like a it's hard to really it's like a feeling you don't really see anybody but it was a feeling of like somebody being like all right you're cool come on in so and then I felt like oh okay I'm in you know and then there was a sort of overwhelming kind of feminine presence just some kind of female thing and then there's something called the jester uh which i think a lot of people talk about as well or maybe they're the self transforming machine elves that people talk you know that Terrence mckenna has talked about you know and i think maybe that's what i was seeing cuz there's really like kind of like little smiley faces everywhere little faces with little hats on everywhere almost like frag like almost everything was almost composed of them if i started looking at things deep enough and then when i started focusing on one i could like really make eye contact with one of these gestures and there was mirth a lot of mirth and joy but then a tinge of mischief and a tinge of darkness kind of like maybe how you would describe the coyote in native american mythology right The the coyote was a trickster Coyote was a trickster. There is mischief, there is mirth, but there is also a dark side. <clears throat> like, Coyote can turn on you. So it's kind of like I don't know, it was sort of this feeling of like there's incredible joy and love. And 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 almost a goofy mischief going on, but at the same time, it's still the same continuum to the darkness, to madness, to craziness, to you know insanity. But no, we're having fun, we're having fun. But just remember, it could all turn at any time. But right now, we're having fun. It's everything. And so that's going on. And then while that's going on, there's just I can't. I I, I coming out of it, I felt like. Did I see the inner mechanisms of semantics or was it consciousness? You know, it's some kind of inner mechanism of the brain that was unfolding. It was almost like every word or face I'd ever seen all unfolding and then coming back to collapsing at the same time. There was a very vibrant 3d pattern, a sort of, uh, almost conical black and white thing folding in on itself. Like it just absurd dimensionality patterns, and and it felt like I was getting a fucking alien download, like some alien was just dumping shit straight into my brain. And and strangely, you're really lucid. You're not. It's not like it's confusing as acid or mushrooms. You know, it's not as you know, I had total sen- total awareness. You know, I'm there. I'm there. But I know I'm, my eyes are closed because I don't want to miss out. And I didn't want to open my eyes. And I just remember thinking, no, thank you. Let's remember, I, well, I figured that was probably the safe thing, to, <laughs> safe thing to, to think as opposed to show me more, show me what you got. You know, I didn't want to, like, I don't want to piss him off. I don't want to be ungrateful. I felt like I was a guest in this weird room, place, dimension, uh, alien landscape. You know, I was, I was a guest there, and I probably didn't belong, but they let me hang. And I was doing my best to keep along, but I just felt like a goddamn idiot. I mean, you just feel stupid because you're just like, I don't get it, any of this. But you know, and that's what, and I came out of it thinking DMT stands for dumb monkey tripping. That's really what it what I felt like. I'm like, I'm just a monkey, some kind of Homo sapien hominid. You know, brain, my my primate. You know, uh, derived brain just can't fathom the multidimensionality, uh, the sort of strange continue even just trying to even just the fact that they were visuals was limiting like everything was limiting and of course the thing about dmt is it only takes about five ten minutes so next this the thing i know it's all fading away it's all like i'm like oh goodbye Ali, thank you and just fading away and that's what happened and it was a very um short but intense experience and i it's hard to say what kind of insight i got out of it i feel like maybe through mushrooms and acid i would i have more insights just because there's more time more time, but then the intensity was certainly nothing like d m t and of course, the confusion makes a big difference. I think there's a lot of confusion going on that you have to sift through when you're on psilocybin or l s d versus the d m t where i was less I was less confused internally and more confused about what I was being shown that Makes sense. Anyways, if you're ever in the market or uh, have an opportunity to try DMT, I recommend it. Set and setting, I think, is very important. Still, even more important, actually. I think it's really easy to kind of take this substance for granted and to feel like, hey, uh, you know, it's only lasts like five minutes, so fuck it. I'll just do it in my car or in the middle of traffic. or You know, like it's just not – got to be responsible with this stuff, you know? Psychedelics aren't really fun. That's the whole thing. It's like – Think, you think of drugs as like, oh, party time, fun time. But psychedelics are, um, it's not, it's very hard to abuse because, I don't know, you just, it's it's like a, it's like going to therapy or it's like going to, you know, it's like having revelations unveiled to you. You can't do that every day because it means less and less the more you do it, you know. And the more you do it, I really had this feeling of the DMT spirit creatures the entities that they'd just be like what you're back what are you doing back here what are you doing back here and i can also see the benefit of doing something like ayahuasca which is oral dmt right uh knocked uh knocked down with a an mao inhibitor that allows you to experience the full onset of the dmt experience and that's supposed to be something like eight to ten hours you know similar to acid but with the dmt flare but and if anything i could see an even greater need for set setting perhaps a shaman perhaps a buddy i don't know i'm not recommending you go out and do any of these substances but i just have to say that it was life changing it was life changing in almost a minute way so small it was almost like a little tiny drop of ink into water where Changes the color of it slightly, but then it kind of dissipates and goes away. And then it's hard to know was there a change? I mean, if you were to extract the water, you know, if you were to sort of run some kind of spectrographic analysis on the water, you know, you would see that, ah, there is something in here. But otherwise, at face value, not much has changed. However, I think the DMT experience was the impetus for me to take the break. That I did because perhaps it was the alien download that I had to kind of work out in my brain perhaps it was the fact that I got this incredible amount of stimulus that w- seemed meaningful or at least very interesting and then I would compare that to the stimulus of the world sort of advertising marketing news all the news about Trump 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 you know all this stuff, and then the echo chamber of social media Everybody saying the same everybody's saying the same goddamn thing have you ever noticed like on Facebook, everybody's saying the same thing. They think they're not. I think. I have a feeling that people are, are writing shit down and thinking they're coming up with these ideas, but they're actually just saying the same shit everybody else is saying, and everybody else is saying the same shit because it's coming from the media or somewhere, some demagogue, some media, some some something, somewhere. It's coming from somewhere, and everybody's just reacting, reactive, very reactive, and I think that's something that bothered me. It's, I felt like I was also reactive i was also just reacting saying the same shit everybody else is saying what and what are you adding ultimately by repeating what everybody's saying you're actually just reinforcing the idea of reality that's being put upon us by whoever's shaping this stuff you know whoever and i don't think it's necessarily nefarious like i'm it's not like lizard people lizard people everywhere is that you know i don't i don't necessarily believe in a sinister sort of um well thought out plan to manipulate minds rather i think it's just the nature of um say capitalism making a buck you know it's the nature of human laziness it's the nature of our evolutionary upbringing to not necessarily seek the truth and just go with what's easy because that's it's 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 better for survival like if you're not sure there's lions in the woods you you don't necessarily need to go in there right and fucking search them out right you could just be like, all right, there's lions there. Just let's not go. And you could make up a story. You could make up a story about the lion god or the lion demon and everybody, you know. But in the end, if that lion starts eating your kids, you got to go in there and face it. You got to get in there. Kill that lion or chase it or whatever. Know, I'm sure some of you are like, don't kill the lion. The lion didn't do anything. The lion killed your kids. It did something. Okay, I'm creating a situation where it might be justified for you to kill this lion because it just fucking ate your kids. Are you going to forgive the lion? Can you forgive the lion? Are you going to live with the lion? Are you going to adopt the lion? Nah, man. That lion just tasted human flesh. Those humans being your kids. I feel like you got to slay the lion. It's going to eat other people. Or do we just leave it? A, just uh, let the lion do what it needs to do. No, I, we're goddamn powerless monkeys. We don't have fur and claw and teeth like lions we can't defend ourselves we only have brains and we gotta fucking you know on one aspect one aspect of our brains is the storytelling aspect so we can make up stories as to why we avoid the lion altogether but if the lion starts attacking you you gotta do something you gotta defend yourself you can't just let them eat your kids I may have beaten this metaphor uh, a little too far but you get what i'm saying you get what i'm saying <laughs> I'm having a pepper, and you get what I'm saying throughout the podcast, so that you know you get what I'm saying. So, anyways, I feel like uh, it's just too much noise. I don't know, a lot of noise, a lot of noise, and I was trying to sift through it. So, what am I doing now? Why am I, why am I adding to the noise now, you asshole? Why don't you just go fade away, fade away into oblivion, die, die forever? Don't even, don't even, don't even challenge the fabulous status quo that we have now. Um, what brought me back? I don't know. I guess it was time. Time brought me back. A little bit of time. You know what really brought me back? I'm going to be honest. It, it was Dave Chappelle, man. Dave Chappelle brought me back, motherfucker. And I saw his specials. Love them. Well, Dave Chappelle is just, come on. This is a goddamn master. This is a goddamn Michelangelo. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a craftsman of the highest caliber. Like, right? you can't judge a man who is an artist right like just at face value you have to understand what's you know that this is not easy what he's doing. what he's doing is not easy so i i watched equanimity and the bird revelation you know and i fucking love them you know um but then i started seeing all this stuff come out in the blogosphere the twitter sphere whatever people just accusing Dave Chappelle being insensitive to transgender people, insensitive to the Me Too movement. In fact, there was a New York Times article that was titled, Dave Chappelle stumbles onto the Me Too movement. It was written by some guy who's like basically talking about how like you know he had these jokes they talk about his jokes and how they're not not sensitive and people are getting upset a lot of people on the twitter verse being all like oh dave Chappelle is a rape apologist and being a bro and being this and being that and it's like did you not fucking listen you didn't listen his The Bird Revelation, which I think is probably the more controversial one because he directly addresses Harvey Weinstein stuff. He directly addresses Louis C.K. incident. And, you know, he makes the joke that if if Louis C.K. jerking it makes you quit comedy, then maybe you didn't have a dream to begin with. Maybe you have a brittle-ass spirit, right? And then everybody jumped on Dave Chappelle for saying, brittle-ass spirit, brittle-ass spirit, you know, because there's this sort of a victim. The victim is above all mentality that we have going on in our society. And so he's like, how dare Dave Chappelle blame the victim in this case, right? Louis C.K. was a perpetrator. How dare you say that? But I think, I mean, I'm not a woman. I'm not a woman. Full disclosure, I'm not. Uh, I've had dicks waved at me as a little kid. That was threatening, but I, I'm not going to equate that with being a woman in the workforce and having dicks waved at you or being hugged or touched because that's fucking gross. It's fucking creepy, and I've seen it. I've seen it, man. I was actually in in class in a class. Wait, I shouldn't. I was I was in a class with this guy Israel Horovitz who came out. Israel Horovitz, who is Adam Horovitz, the Beastie Boy, the Beastie Boy of the Beastie Boys, fame. His father. And Israel Horowitz is a playwright. You know, he's over seventy now. He's a he's a fucking huge playwright. New York playwright, Paris. He's huge. He's still putting, he was still putting on plays till these rape allegations came out and these sexual thing allegations came out. And like, I didn't witness. You know, I I, w- I had a, a screenwriting class with Israel for a year, about two years, because the second part of the year uh, it was like an exchange program. Half the kids were from a french film school so the latter half of the next year we took our finished scripts and went to paris to la famille the uh, film school there and we did readings and whatever we had a great time but the thing i do remember is that certain women in the class saying they they got a weird vibe creepy vibe they got a creepy vibe from and that he would look at them say things maybe try to get them alone or try to you know nothing actually ever happened that i know of but there was a vibe a creepy vibe and something that i didn't necessarily pick up on but i didn't i didn't really think that the the women were lying or that I it's not like i didn't believe them of course i believe them but it was just it was i didn't i, I didn't see it and it wasn't it wasn't criminal you know nobody was saying like he tried to touch me or anything you know they were just like talking about feelings like how they felt all right and feelings are valid you know and and now it's come out that he raped you know somebody long ago that he and i believe i believe him i fucking believe him. i believe them all i believe them all man i mean okay so that's the thing i mean there's a big difference between yes there are victims There are victims bad shit was perpetrated on them and that's not good that's not we can't have that it's fucking bad all right But let's go back to Dave Chappelle. Here's the thing about Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, his nickname was Pilot Boy in Hollywood. Pilot Boy because he had 19 failed pilots before getting the Chappelle Show. 19. Can you, have you ever failed at anything 19 times? And that's not counting stand-up. I mean, how many times has he failed throughout his stand-up career trying to make a joke that bombed, right? So just think about think about having i to think about that myself just think about the fact that you have a pilot almost coming out like the people are saying yeah it's gonna happen man it's gonna happen and you're like yeah it's gonna happen yeah and then, then they're like nah it's not happening And you're like fuck that pilot could have been money that pilot could have could have mean mean something for a career it could have meant something it didn't happen well, that's discouraging but you know what you got to pick yourself up and do it again let's do it again pilot number two let's go let's do this Boom, we're so close. We're so close. And no. Alright. Okay, two <laughs> Alright, fool me one, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Let's okay, let's fix things up. Number three, let's go for it. Number three, we're in it. Pilot time, we're going, pilot season's here. Dude, they're green lighting, green light, green light's it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's not happening. Ah, fuck. Alright, that's three. I'm already exhausted. I'm on number three. Can you imagine nineteen? Nineteen failures? Okay. So for a man who has gotten to the top of comedy through an incredible series of failures and incredible success but to get to that success he had to go through all this failure for him to comment on somebody quitting comedy because Louis CK jerked off in front of them and calling that person a brittle ass person or brittle having a brittle ass spirit that's not it's not the same as a, a person off the street just remarking about a victim of something and having no sympathy does that make sense it's not the same this is a person who knows what he's talking about about the industry that we're talking about okay and he's saying you got to stick in there you got to stick in there you can't let you can't let people discourage you yeah somebody fucking wags their dick at you that sucks but does that mean you quit you quit i mean you quit your dream that you can't ever i mean maybe you shouldn't have ever and especially comedy of all things comedy where you have to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and risk failure at every moment i don't know i mean it just seems like i agree with dave Chappelle. i don't give a fuck come at me come at me bro come at me look rape don't rape rape bad no raping no touching no nothing okay someone jerking off in front of you that sucks too it sucks. It fucking sucks. But could it have been a bit? Could it have been an amazing bit? Could he have used it to become a better artist? I don't know. I mean, it's not. Is it my place to really? It's my place to really like judge anybody? It's not my place. Not my place. I'm just defending Dave Chappelle, and it's not even. He, he was. He was making a joke. That's the whole other thing. You see the context. This whole thing is that it's a joke. The first line of the Bird Revelation is. You know, sometimes being mean is the funniest thing, but it doesn't mean you're being mean. You're trying to be funny, right? Everything is funny until it happens to you. That's how he opens up. That's how he opens up, okay? So then for these bloggers to kind of attack him and say, you know, Dave Chappelle's like out of his element. He doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's the old, he represents the old guard, the old status quo, and everything's changed. Me too, move, hashtag me too. It's all changed, and he needs to get with it, and he needs to be, is that valid? I don't know. Is that valid or are people being too sensitive? Is that val- is that, is that, not only are people being too sensitive, they're cherry-picking. Because throughout the entire special, he says, I know I'm wrong for saying this. He apologizes to I mean, he doesn't even need to be doing that. He doesn't need to be apologizing. The man is a master of his crap. Does Michelangelo apologize for all the dicks that he painted on the Sistine Chapel? Does he apologize for God pointing his finger at Adam and Adam pointing his finger at God and, like, you know, them touching fingers? And that's, like, some kind of weird. What the fuck is that? That's kind of weird. What if somebody got real, you know, upset that God was even personified? You know, God, how dare you. But the man is an artistic genius, Michelangelo, Dave Chappelle, right? The way I see it, right. there's a big difference between Dave Chappelle's comedy, the craft, and your feelings, right? The feelings of the average person. Because feelings, that... <sighs> feelings are just inherent to the human condition. Like Dave Chappelle, I just told you, you know, 19 failures through pilot, you know, through the pilots. He's pilot boy, 30 years of stand-up comedy. I mean, he worked his ass off, worked his ass off. And he could have, he could have gone crazy. You know, everybody thought he was crazy for leaving Hollywood, walking away for $50 million. And he did that because of integrity. Everybody thought he was insane. They tried to make him out to be some deranged madman who's like, you know, what happened to him or whatever. And now people think that Dave Chappelle's cloned. <laughs> By people, I mean fucking conspiracy retards. But they think oh, Dave Chappelle's been cloned. He looks different. He sounds different. But he just—he—he's older. He—he he got jacked and he's older. Is he juicing? I don't know. Maybe could be juicing. Could be juicing. Maybe it's all natural. I don't know. I'm not judging because I—if I could juice, I'd do it. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'm like turning forty. Fuck it. I'm like get my testosterone levels up. Fuck it. You know, of course medically supervised of course don't want to get i'm not trying to buy steroids over the dark web and just get swole as fuck and by the way you think you just get swole just by eating steroids no you still have to work hard you still have to work at it it's just that you could work harder like it just, all right now i've got sidetracked dave Chappelle swole everybody thinks he's a clone everybody's like oh my feelings abe Chappelle. he should be more sensitive sensitive in comedy here's the thing Dave Chappelle is a national treasure. Your feelings are not. Fuck your feelings. That's what I say. Fuck 'em. Fuck your feelings. Your feelings feelings are uh, ephemeral. Feelings are here. That, you have your feelings since you were a baby. You didn't do anything to get your feelings. You didn't do What did you do to get your feelings? Did you do anything to cultivate the strength of your feelings? The 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 fucking integrity of your feelings, what did you do? What work did you do? did you do? Did you go to therapy did you do Did you write a lot? did you fucking meditate like what did you do? Dave chappelle failed for thirty years okay Dave chappelle worked his ass off since he was seventeen to get to this point. Dave chappelle is a goddamn artist, right because he has a craft and craft entails work right? Feelings take no work. having feelings is just like fucking having having to shit like that's just something you do since you're a baby it's just you're just it, in fact you should learn to control your feelings you should learn to regulate them you should learn in fact if you had done some work as much work as Dave Chappelle had done on his craft as you have on your feelings then maybe your feelings wouldn't get so hurt at the fucking drop of a hat and what are your feelings getting hurt for god damn it you're living in a goddamn America America number one number one the best richest most powerful country in the world. We are bombing the shit out of children, and you have feelings? What about their feelings? What about these? What about the, did you know your tax dollars go into the untold misery all over the world in our name so that we can be at the top, whatever that means, so that we can have all this, whatever that means, right? And now your feelings, your feelings matter. <sighs> The thing is, I feel like there's a hypocrisy um, in this sort of victim fetishizing. This sort of like being the victim is number one. Like, and there's some kind of oppression Olympics, right? Like, who's who's the most oppressed? Like, if we could get like a gay, black woman, transgendered woman, you know, that's number one. Number one, you get, you know. And then under that, you got to check some privilege and keep checking all the way down the line. And then white man, white cis hetero Males are fucking at the bottom because they're so privileged and they don't know anything, and that's just it's fucking divisive. It's fucking un-American. It's fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. There's no no truth will come out with that kind of thinking. No truth comes out now. All there is is feelings, and people will change the way they speak and the things they believe. They may not say things in public because the backlash. Of these weak ass motherfuckers who gang up on people, you know, because of of some slight perceived slight, per some kind of feeling they have, they think is just as valid as the craft of an artist. Now, where does this all come from? I don't know. I I have a I have a guess. I have some I have a theory. It's not really a theory because it's not scientifically sound, but I have some ideas. Well first of all I think 9/11 really did a number on us. 9/11 I mean we were victims there, right? Something happened to us. Something happened to us. We were attacked. You know, and then and then what did we do? Well we're going to fucking strike back. We're going to start two we're going to start a war in Afghanistan where they hit Osama bin Laden and we're going to start a war in Iran, Iraq because of a lie. Because of some lie. <laughs> we just lied. We lied. WMDs. WMDs were the first fake news, right? Not really. That's not the first fake news. Fake news stretches far back. Dewey defeats Truman could be fake news. Anyway, WMDs, we lied ourselves into this war. Fucking Colin Powell lied to the UN. The media let them lie. Lie and lie. 2003, you go into a war. It isn't until two years later that people start criticizing the war. Things start coming out about Abu Ghraib. Things, you know, and people are like, wait a minute, why are we even in Iraq? Why are we there? There were no WMDs. It was just because they wanted to, and they used it as a pretext. They used 9-11 as a pretext to attack a country that had nothing to do with it. And people were like, well, it's better that Saddam Hussein isn't there. You know, Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. Yeah, but you know what happened in Saddam Hussein's absence? ISIS. ISIS. Saddam Hussein wasn't chopping off people's heads and putting 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 them on YouTube. If anything, Saddam Hussein was hanged on YouTube. Like He ended up on YouTube. Right? Hanged by the guys who would probably become ISIS. And then ISIS, now ISIS is, I guess, defeated, you know, after mm, 13 years. <laughs> after 13 years of fucking violence, you know? Maybe they're defeated. Maybe they're defeated because, you know, Russia and Syria has pounded them. You know, the, the whole region got destabilized all because of a lie. All because our feelings were hurt and we didn't use any critical judgment, any critical thinking. We didn't, Our media failed us as the watchdogs of our democracy, letting us go into this protracted war. Fucking, We had a financial crisis, right? We fucking blood and treasure all gone because we let our emotions get the better of us. We let our feelings dictate our actions. And by we, we just mean, I mean the public. I suspect the state itself was, maybe they believed what they were doing was right, but I think they knew that they were lying. They knew, they knew, okay? Or at least they knew that the facts they had were sort of made to fit the narrative that they wanted. was a lot of confirmation bias there, you know? So I think that there's some collective guilt about that. We bomb the shit. Out, we use robots to bomb the shit out of children right now. I mean, we, I mean, under Obama we did, you know, way more than we did under Bush. I mean, under Bush, yeah, conventional warfare, killing a lot of people, children, women, civilians, a lot of civilians murdered. Under Obama, a lot of civilians murdered with robots. And now under Trump we got robots and conventional troops. Who knows? We're going to have a war on the new on the Korean peninsula. We're going to have war with Iran. More war, right? That's what we do, war. And yet we're the victims. How incredibly ironic. How incredibly hypocritical, right? We're a nation of warmongering victims. That's what we are. That's what we are. We... we cause untold amount of damage and misery and death around the world. Yet we are victims at the drop of the hat and feelings are important. What about their feelings? What about the feelings? The people, not only the people killed, but the people who survive those people who have to bury them, who have to live with the scars of death, maiming of children, screaming. You don't think that's going to, what about their feelings? What about them? We don't give a fuck about their feelings. We don't give a fuck about feelings. We only give a fuck about ourselves. That's the whole thing. It's like we're Rome. We're no different than Rome. In ancient Rome, they'd go out fucking murder people everywhere, everywhere because they justified it by saying they're not Roman. And what we're doing is we're bringing Rome to them. And once they become Roman, then they can be people. Up until then, up until then, we're just slaughtering them. That's really what it is, right? There was a, there are sometimes there are Roman civil wars and then there's accounts of those wars of Roman generals being, Oh, this tragedy of fighting Romans, right? That's when they felt bad when they were actually killing Romans. When Romans killed Romans, then it was a tragedy. Just like with the American civil war. Oh, what a tragedy that was because we killed our own people. Meanwhile, when we kill a bunch of brown people and yellow people, we're like, eh, what about us? We're the real victims here. That's what we say. That's what we say. Now, nine eleven. I don't think, is really the first time we adopted this stance. In fact, America as a whole, I think the premise of America is that, you know, people came here in search of freedom. Slave owners who wanted to be free, like George Carlin said, right? There's an inherent contradiction. So we own slaves, yet we want to be free. There's some guilt involved there, right? There's some guilt, and instead of owning up to that guilt, we just became victims, Right? Black people are criminals, right? The criminal justice system is filled with black people. The drug war, filled. Drug war has made our prisons filled with black people who just smoked a joint, right? We put them in there, and then we justified, ah, we're keeping the streets safe, right? Because we're the victims here. We're the victims, not these people that were enslaved and then freed, but then put back into servitude through Jim Crow for another hundred years Then had to fight through the civil rights in, 19, in the 1960s. And then fucking, yeah, then they got some stuff, but then, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X got shot and all the Black Panthers got shot and then crack came and then, yeah, things are better, but then it's not, you know, that we're the victims. That's what it is. Right, and I think it goes even farther back, sure, we have slaves, but even farther, even beyond that, we had to murder Native Americans. just had to just had to you know, it just wasn't going to work out. couldn't really at least the Spanish fucked them all i mean i mean that's it's a terrible this is terrible I mean, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but at least you know Spanish made Mexicans, at least they made a whole race of people, fucking English, you know, everybody who came to America, their um strategy was fucking genocide, slaughter kill them all, kill them all, we're land of the free, right, so I think there's guilt inherent in our culture, there's a contradiction inherent in the idea that we're supposed to be the most free, the most um, liberated people in the world, of course, at the expense of some slaves and a bunch of indigenous people we murdered, and so on and so forth, right, it's always on the backs of someone, it's not inherently free, I mean, women couldn't vote I mean, it was never inherently free. It was just a uh, sweet marketing. That's really what it was. I mean, in if you think about it, I think the spirit, the spirit of this country is moving toward that ideal that was set forth over 200 years ago. But the actuality has been a struggle. The actuality has been struggling against that ideal, right? And the fact that the ideal exists allows people to make progress. We got to keep going toward that thing. Everybody said, which I think is a good thing about America. Not. I'm not sure. There aren't many other countries that do that. Okay. Most other countries are like, fuck you. Right. That's, that's, that's the whole thing. There's no free, even England, there's no freedom of speech there because they're smart, because they're an old country, because they know that you can't just allow people to say whatever the fuck they want. It's, fuck it, they'll start changing things. You don't want that. So I feel like, you know, there's a cultural reckoning coming. And I don't, Think it's like this culture war, this bullshit left-right paradigm. That's not what it is. We're all complicit. All of us. All of us. Even just having a phone, right? Having a phone means some kid in the Congo mined those minerals and some kid in China made that phone for you and yet here we are all enjoying phones, right? I'm not putting my phone away. I fucking love my phone, see? I'm not. Fuck those kids. Fuck those kids. Yet, it's not good to say that out loud. Even though that's the truth. Even though that's the truth. You gotta say, oh, those poor kids. Oh, those poor kids. And of course, oh, I would never do anything like that. Let me tweet about it. Let me use my phone to talk about the horrors of phone production. It's hypocrisy. We, not just as a nation, I mean, the whole world, maybe humanity. I think it's inherently hypocritical because uh, survival. Because on one hand, we are so glad to be surviving life. We come from the evolutionary past where life was so hard that we'll do anything to survive. Fucking lie to ourselves, kill other people, anything. We'll do it. Shit was rough. We used to have to eat each other. Okay, there's plenty of bite marks on bones that they discover in archaeological digs. Right, there's plenty of times of famine. A of bad shit that went down, enough bad shit for us to get ingrained in our very being that we might have to throw our fucking moms under the bus, right? Or we might have to just turn into a mob and tear somebody limb from limb just to get through the next day, right? But here we are, fucking 2018, 21st century. We're on the verge of advanced artificial intelligence. We're on the verge of space travel. We're on the verge of... uh. Who knows what else? You know what we're not on the verge of? Understanding consciousness. Right? I have no idea what that fucking DMT was trying to tell me. I have no idea about the nature of consciousness or the nature nature of the mind. No clue. Not that I'm supposed to, but uh, us as a society. We're no closer to understanding our own consciousness than we were when fucking Jesus and Buddha were walking around. Socrates, they were trying. Right? But ever since then, we haven't done much. Not much has been made... Uh, progress wise in terms of learning about what it means to be a conscious sentient human being or person entity it's possible that um if we create artificial intelligence they might figure that some some of that stuff out before us and realize that uh hey these guys are fucking assholes we better do something huh maybe or they'll be our slaves and then they'll help us continue to murder more children i don't know It's one or the other i feel but that's the bottom line We're no better than anybody else. We're no better. We're all part of it. But what does that mean? Does it mean, oh, I gotta be sad all the time and I gotta be a victim? That's another form of victimhood, right? Fuck it. I mean, it is what it is. In order to be alive, there needs to be death. We need to eat things. Even vegetables are things that were alive. We need to eat, consume life to stay alive. That's the inherent nature of life, right? Death It's It's just part of it. And we have to own up to that. I have to own up to that and make things better because otherwise we're just going to be in a, a fucking bubble and we're just going to be murdering people all the fucking time. And then being women crying about it. Little fucking bitches. Okay. Was this funny? This wasn't funny. This is a comedy podcast. I don't know. Look, I took a break. I'm ranting. I haven't, I haven't done standup in a while. I haven't talked into a mic for a while. So this was refreshing. So I appreciate, I appreciate your ears. I appreciate you listening. Um, you know, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You don't follow me, whatever, whatever it is. I'm, a, you know what I'm going to, here's what I resolve 2018. Okay. Beyond, uh, becoming a, you know, more compassionate, sentient human being. Which is that's a tall order, right? Like, there's nothing specific there. There's nothing. Yeah, it's just like be good. That's 2018. Be better. You know, I think one of the things I want to do is discipline. I'm trying to implose, impose discipline on myself. I'm a free-wheeling, sort of fly by the seat of his pants kind of guy. You know, I don't, I don't study for tests. You know, when I was in school, it was just all in my brain. You know, and I, and I'd be stoned and still pass or get A's even, I mean, and that's just not, that's just, what a dick, right, a lot of people work hard for for things like A's, and there, I just go in, fucking blaze out of my mind, getting A's on chemistry tests, like, that's, this is no good, it's no good, so I've decided, I did my 40th year of life, that uh, it's time for some discipline, no thanks to my dad, or any family really uh, imposing any of that on me. In fact, only really showing me how I need to survive in chaos. And that's why I've made it this far, right? Amidst the chaos of my own tumultuous emotions, my feelings as it were. Um, but I realized that yes, it's time for discipline. So, you know, try to make this a regular thing. I want to make this a regular thing. Uh, this being the podcast, you know, stand up a regular thing just more regularity in my life structures trying to get a job like a regular job even though that's like uh, really anathema to me as a person my libertad my uh joie de vivre uh you know it's uh, but i need it i need the money well i need money but i need structure you know i think i need it i think i realized one of the things i realized was that i had an incredible lack of structure growing up my dad stepmom none of them there was no imposed discipline no regularity There was so much chaos stepmoms coming and going my dad leaving me with my aunt you know just leaving coming back fucking a lot of fucking craziness for a child right in retrospect i'm thinking my dad was my age when he fucking dumped me off to my aunt and i'm like what why i I couldn't even fathom doing that right now the implications of that and the, the consequences i mean he's dealing with it right we don't talk I don't fucking, he never calls me. Let me put it this way. My dad's birthday is on June 24th. Mine is on June 28th. Guess who calls who? I call him on the 24th. He doesn't call me on the 28th. Every year, every year it's been like this. Every year since I started calling him on his birthday, which is maybe, you know, since uh, maybe like 20 years ago. Okay. So for 20 years, you know, and then I start thinking, ah, oh, well, what's the big deal? You know, what's the big deal? It's just my birthday. It's just the day of my birth, the birth of your only son. You know, why should I, you know, I should just get over it. Suck it up. It's like pilot boy. I'm like pilot boy. Maybe I'm birthday boy because I've had 20 failed birthdays. (laughs) Maybe this year things will change. Nah, but fuck it. I can't be a victim anymore. I can't, you know, I call him on his birthday and then I wait and see. Will he call? Will he call? Wait, wait all the way till midnight and then he doesn't. Right? And this is just the story of my life. The first time I met my mom which coincidentally was the last time I took a stretch of sobriety. The first time I met my mom, you know, before I met her, she was supposed to call me on my birthday, and I waited. I fucking waited till midnight, and she didn't call. And I was just like, oh, I guess she's not calling. Right? And I sort of get to repeat that every, every year with my dad. And part of me is like, you little bitch, get over it. Get over it. But another part of me is like, no, I can't just get over it. No, I need to assert myself as a person. I mean, I've asked him why he doesn't call. He still doesn't call right? So he doesn't even give a fuck, right? And should I, should I, should I be the bigger person, call him and then be hurt every time? Or do I extricate myself from that situation, not allow myself to be, do I take ownership, not allow myself to be hurt, right? These are all, these are not easy questions, not easy questions, right? But I know that it's something that I have to reckon. I can't just wait. My dad's not going to change know i'm the only one who could change because i'm the only one who's even aware i don't even think he knows what my birthday is right i'm the only one who's aware that i have to make the change but that doesn't necessarily mean that i'm gonna fucking swallow shit and pretend like nothing is wrong and try to have some kind of regular relationship with him only to be hurt over and over that doesn't make any fucking sense either right so it's up to me it's up to me to be the parent and the child right and that's just life that's just life for me but i have to accept that and in many ways i feel like us we as a society we have to accept certain things like we are the conquerors we're on the top of the food chain we murder kill destroy just to enjoy a standard of life that is far beyond many others and to be able to the amount of food we throw away is more than many countries even have and we have to just deal with that to accept it. We have to be honest about it. And then maybe then we can fucking do something. Alright guys. Thank you very much for listening, Rosen Kim Cat. I'll be back next week.